Welcome to and almost starring the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Joe Jackson. And please, Eddie, we're looking at who framed Roger Rabbit. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Joe, how you doing today? I'm all right, Jeff. I mean, I'm, you know, how are we're you? hanging in there. We're hanging in there. We are hanging in there. We're here. We're in our closet. We sure are. It could be we worse. just finished a workout, an online workout with Homebody mm-hmm. through Marcus Fitness. Great. Highly recommend. Not so, a sponsor, but who is? No, no, exactly. Yet. Not a sponsor yet. <laughs> um, uh, so very, very sweaty. So great conditions to be trapped in this tiny mm. closet. Just uh, breathing in that sweat. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a comedy <laughs> that came out on June 22nd, 1988, and was directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Jeffrey Price and Peter S. Seaman. Amy Joe, what is your experience with Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Had you seen it before? I had seen this movie so many times <laughs> in my childhood, my adolescence. I've seen it. I can't remember the last time I saw it. I've seen it as an adult for sure, you know. But uh, yeah, I used to watch this with my Aunt Mary all the time. Uh-huh. My mom's younger sister who had Down syndrome. Um, and she loved like Xena Warrior Princess and a bunch of stuff that I had like no interest in watching. But this is what this and Yellow Submarine were always the movies that was like we could throw on and watch. So love it. Yeah. What That's about great. you? Uh, I'm pretty sure this was similar to Jurassic Park, a initial watch at our neighbor's house, Jimmy and Grace. I'm pretty sure I remember the like the VHS box where you the, you'd slide it out, the, mm. the little uh, slide out from the case, the little uh, paper paper VHS it case. It wasn't a, a, what is it, a clamshell? It wasn't a clamshell. It was not a clamshell. At least this version wasn't, as far as I, I remember. I don't think was either. Right. So I'm pretty sure that's, I saw it at Long Jurassic Park. That's how I first got introduced to this as well. Uh, and yeah, I'd seen it a few times over the years. Love, love, love this movie. I saw it again. I was on a regional gig up in Syracuse uh, five years ago, four yeah, years ago. 2017. 2017. Because I then did a gig wow. Three like, years immediately ago. after that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, what is Okay, that? well, let's see. It's 2020, so it must have been one billion years ago because this year counts for 999 million of those years. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, it, and I saw it then and it held up then, and then we it held up when we watched it last night. Love, love this film. Uh, so spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit or haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief-ish synopsis. In 1947 Los Angeles, R.K. Maroon, head of Maroon Cartoon Studios, is concerned about the recent poor performances of one of his biggest stars, Toon Roger Rabbit. Maroon hires private detective Eddie Valiant to investigate rumors about Roger's attractive Toon wife, Jessica, being romantically involved with businessman Marvin Acme. I love that attractive Toon wife is how she is described. <laughs> that is how Wikipedia like, chose to describe her. Amazing. And I was like, sure, yeah. Sure. Uh, She's, uh, for anyone, for the I no mean, one out there who on. doesn't know who Jessica Everyone Rabbit knows who is, Jessica she's Rabbit is. drawn... <laughs> Preposterously. Tremendously. Tremendously. She's not bad. I'm just drawn that way. She's drawn that way. Uh, Involved with businessman Marvin Acme, owner of both Acme Corporation and Toontown. After watching Jessica perform at an underground nightclub, immediately following just that great Donald Duck and Daffy Duck uh, piano, dueling pianos. So good. So good. Uh, Eddie secretly photographs Jessica and Acme playing... Literally playing patty cake in her dressing room, it's which she shows to I Roger. As a child, it I took love. A while oh, I was like, Same. Why are they so mad? So much, so much as a kid that it like went over my head. Oh, yeah. It's like what? Huh? Who? Um, 
That's great. I mean, everything with that baby. What's his face? Baby Herbert. Baby Herman. Baby Herman. That's right. Baby Herman. That, this horny. Oh, yeah. It's just funny that suddenly the baby's talking like you know a Dan gangster. DeVito? Oh yeah, sure. Like, yeah. Hey, 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 kid. I got what the line is like. I got a fifty. Year, I got a fifty year old lust and a three year old dinky. Just like oh, wow, this is a, yeah amazing. He's this like got ready to star PG in the, the remake of The Sopranos. You know? yeah, oh, oh, yeah. We were robbed. If, if this movie was made a decade later, James Gandolfini as Baby Herman. Oh. Would have been great. Would have been great. <laughs> Not animated, just James Gandolfini <laughs> in a little diaper, a little bow in his Imagine hair. Imagine like a a chop on a stogie. I'm saying live action in the sense of the. I can't. New, this movie is a live action. It'd be upsetting. Oh, yeah. But like James oh, God, Gandolfini is no, no, the live action Herman. You know what it would be? Well, I guess it would. It could still be the cartoon version. But if this was made today, it'd be friggin' Alec Baldwin as Boss Baby. Uh, I know. But it, it'd be, it's exactly that. It's just him as like, I'm a, I'm a grown-up baby with this deep voice, but I'm a little... Don't I'm we little, think this is but hilarious? I'm, no, I made a doo-doo. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Is that the movie? I think. Ugh. He's a boss baby. He's he's trying, he's trying. doing. He, he did a business. He's doing business, and he's trying not to poop his pants. I don't know. I don't know. I will never, never see this film until our niece and nephews force oh us to watch gosh. it. Oh, my gosh. Time out to talk about... <laughs> we are in New Jersey visiting the family for the first time since Christmas, mm. and... There comes a point in the day when the niece and nephews want to put something on. They want to put on a movie. Let's watch such something. a movie. One of them suggests Floor is Lava. And Which we're like, is well, that's great. Delightful. That's mindless Short. in 20 minute episodes. Exactly. And then another one starts complaining. He wants to watch Cat in the Hat. And Starring I Mike Myers. I'm on the other side of the room from Jeff. And there's a sm- well, I, I We didn't make eye contact, but I was like, surely. Surely not. Surely not. Surely we won't allow this to happen. And then um, they we voted. Got outvoted. Oh my well, gosh. They, well, it was. We didn't they, vote, they, well, it wasn't a vote. They put like the. They just wrote one on a slip of paper, one on the other slip of paper, and put it in a hat. And I technically, you know, I botched it for both of us because I'm the one that picked it out. And but I picked, we both. I picked the cat in the hat, but I did. You, you better believe I checked that hat to make sure that they weren't trying to game us and write down cat oh in the hat gosh. twice. I was like, it's better. I'm sitting but there no, on they, the they couch. They won fair and square. They and we sure watched. Did. But an I, hour of this movie until they got bored and were like, let's go outside and play. And we're like, thank goodness. goodness. But yeah, I'm not sit- a moment too soon. I'm sitting there during well, the opening credits. a nightmare. I'm sitting there during the opening credits, and I'll, you know, talking to the kids. And I was like, yeah, I thought maybe I'd make it my entire life without <laughs> seeing this movie. But that dream ended today. Uh, yeah, that is uh, as... You know, I like. I, I think I enjoyed it enough. The How the Grinch Stole Christmas that Ron Howard did with Jim Carrey. I didn't see it. Uh, I, I saw that in theaters, and then we owned it. So I must have liked it enough that I was like, "Yeah, this is a fine film to own." Um, you do get some sexy uh, "Va Voom Christine Baranski in that film, which is oh, fun. I love that. Um, I know, I know. I and can some just Bill YouTube Irwin. You get some. Scenes. Well, this is true. This is true. Uh, but that that was like. This is not a good movie, but this is at least a watchable film. Can the Hat is not even. You have to. F- ooh. It, it might as well have been, if they had cut, if someone was to edit together, cut from the cat in the hat to the scene in Clockwork Orange with Malcolm McDowell, where, where his eyes are just so like being forced open, because uh, it is just as terrifying. Really? Until the cat showed up, I was like, this is dumb, but fine. You know, and then oh, Mike Myers Mike shows up, Myers and I was like, Ooh, it just uh, like an anchor, an anchor that f- that film in goes my heart f- goes just plummeting down into the depths of Ugh. hell. Oh, uh, but anyway, thankfully we're not talking about the cat. No. We're talking about who framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> oh, okay, where were we? Uh, <laughs> Roger angrily declares that he and his wife will be happy, and he flees. Is is this when we have like that great uh, Bob Hoskins as Eddie, just like alone at his office, and you're seeing like his brothers, his dead brother's side of the desk, all dusty, and him? Well, when he 
If you're talking about when he flees, it's when it's like two Kool-Aid men shapes yes. through no, the no, window. No, no, no. I meant after that. Because then the next... Okay. So the next morning, then we find out, oh, Acme was murdered in the night. Um, but I, I couldn't remember if this is that, that great, like, little, just, like, silent little... The first time that we uh, actually go see yeah, the Yeah, silent office. little vignette of Bob Hoskins, where, where you see the accolades of him and his brother as detectives that had uh, <laughs> some of their cases involved uh, solving the kidnapping of... Of uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and returning them to Donald Duck. And the, the one, I, I, the headline made me crack up was just Goofy cleared of spy charges. <laughs> the idea of Goofy being a, like suspected as a Nazi spy is one of the funniest things uh, I ever, I mean, you would never suspect him. It'd be a good choice. I mean, if Goopy you know, could Goopy, 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 Goopy could keep it together. Yeah, that's actually. It's like, oh, that's right. It's me. I'm really Goopy. I've replaced the real Goofy years ago. But it is actually I, Goopy. I, I mean, uh, Gorsh, and he just like sl- he can just slip back oh, so into sorry. it. Oh, so sorry, I meant to. Gorsh. <laughs> that's that's like a some Prince in the Pauper, like uh whatever. I guess like the dark version of um the Great Dictator of instead of uh mm-hmm. this hapless yokel replacing this uh, Hitler stand-in, instead is just this Nazi spy replacing Goofy, Goopy replacing Goofy. Oh boy, I want it. I want it as a as a surprise sequel. Yeah, and Roger it, Rabbit and Eddie Valiant. Well, it might have been anymore, but. After, um, yeah, it might have been after the scene in the bar where they're like, what's this, Bob? She's like, a toon killed his brother. And everyone, and everyone looks, looks over. everyone looks at him. Dropped, dropped a, a piano, piano on his head. And, and everyone looks back to their drinks like, like oh, okay. Oh, that's boring. <laughs> it's so funny because it just like rides that line so beautifully. Uh, I mean, the whole movie does. Oh, yeah. Of Playing those like noir 1940s tropes. noir, mm. just like hitting it really hard. Like the first thing you see when you walk into Valiant's office is a Maltese Falcon that he puts his hat on. <laughs> like that's exactly what they've done. Being like, okay, we've got these tropes, but now we're going to do something silly to it. Oh, you yeah. know, and again and again and again. I mean, that your big doorman is an a literal gorilla. It, in a just, gorilla in a, suit. Yeah, in a, yes, yeah, exactly. like a nice, nice monkey suit. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, the next morning, Acme is discovered dead at his factory. I think a safe it was a safe that was dropped on him. Uh, uh, like also, of course. Acme, yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, and evidence points to Roger being responsible. While investigating, Eddie meets Judge Doom, which I mean, you know, his name is Judge Doom. I feel like that's enough to just be like it, it might be this guy, this guy, this, this monster, guy might this not night, be this human nightmare. The best, <laughs> maybe not the best. Uh, Toontown's sinister superior court judge, who has created a substance dubbed Dip that is capable of killing the otherwise invulnerable tunes. Eddie later runs into Roger's Toon co-star, Baby Herman, who believes Roger is innocent and that Acme's missing will, which will give the tunes ownership of Toontown, may be the key to his murder. In his office, Eddie finds Roger, who begs him to help exonerate him. Eddie reluctantly hides Roger in a local bar where his girlfriend Dolores works. Jessica approaches Eddie and says that Maroon forced her to pose for the photographs so he could blackmail Acme. I know I'm rushing through this because we have so many actors that were up for these roles. But man, just like, that was like one of the rules of like combining action or uh, live action and animation was don't move the camera and like don't move have any object like move any objects and robert zemeckis was like i want to break all, all these that. roles as often as possible which is why like every shot the camera's moving every shot these it'd be so easy like the weasels that judge doomed like little henchmen they could so easily just have animated guns but nope they've got real guns so yeah. they had like 
to have them on these like little sticks so they could like move around and it animate like over the, them. It's the so trays in a nightclub that are being the held penguins. by penguins. Yeah, yeah, it's so good, so clever. It's so well. You think so about, much extra like, work that goes into that. Oh my gosh! But like then the the level of world building yeah. that the it handcuffs, creates these handcuffs oh that then because Roger is just like slaps some handcuffs on Eddie, which I forgot. I I remember that taking up more of the film of them being handcuffed together. That gets resolved pretty quickly in such yeah. a great way of Eddie trying to saw through them and Roger like is the the table shaken and is like, can you steady that? It's like, oh, sure. And hold, takes his hand out of the handcuff to hold it steady. And when Eddie notices, he just plops it, puts it right back in the handcuff. It's like, do you mean to tell me that you could have taken that out of, uh, your hand out the, of whole that, time? the whole time? No, only when it was funny. <laughs> only when it was funny. Only when it was funny. It's just that's, like, uh, that's, that's, because it's not just a philosophy for him. It's like the literal <laughs> truth of, of the rules of how he can move through the world. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. So good. Uh, Doom and his toon weasel henchmen discover Roger, but he and Eddie escape with Benny, an anthropomorphic taxicab. They flee to a theater where Eddie tells Roger that a toon killed his brother Teddy when they were investigating a bank robbery, which is why he has descended into alcoholism, lost his sense of humor, and no longer trusts toons. As they leave with Dolores, Eddie sees a newsreel detailing the sale of maroon cartoons to Cloverleaf, a mysterious corporation that bought the city's trolley network shortly before Acme's murder. That's it. That's the connection. That's the connection. <laughs> so delighted. Uh, Eddie, Bob Hoskins is incredible. Oh, he's, this per- he's per, per perfection. I suppose uh, we'll talk about I it. I guess so. <laughs> uh, Eddie goes to the studio to interrogate Maroon, leaving Roger to guard outside, but Jessica knocks Roger out and puts him in the trunk. With a frying pan. With that she then pan. Slides, slides into her into... handbag. So Not a tote. A handbag. <laughs> Maroon tells Eddie that he blackmailed Acme into selling his company so he could sell the studio, then admits he only did so out of fear for the safety of the tunes. Maroon is killed by an unseen assailant before he can explain the consequences of the missing will. Eddie spots Jessica fleeing the scene, and assuming she's the culprit, follows her into Toontown, which I love that whole, because it's just like the, you know, gearing up to go into like, you because you don't know. It's at the end of a dark tunnel. End of this dark tunnel. And he's just like staring it down, like you could see, just like the fear in his Forget eyes. Get it, Eddie? It's tuned down. down. He gets his cartoon gun with his cartoon. These like ridiculous, Howdy. like what? Ah, Eddie, how you? I ain't done seeing you I'm in five years. Oh, uh, and marches through, and then it's just like the cheeriest song, like welcoming but him. But it also looks like. The trippiest. I mean, I've oh, never yeah. done acid, but <laughs> that doesn't seem. It just takes you right to Toontown every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so like, we're all here to welcome you to oh, Toontown. Exactly. The ground is moving. Oh, and then we get, I mean, there's just so many. I love that the first, like, celebrity cameo in the film is Dumbo who appears. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's like, oh, and the, they're right great. Up. They work for Peanuts. Uh, But yeah, we get Daffy and Donald. We get, uh, and then in this scene, we get uh, Droopy Dog, our uh, Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock, as we established in Psycho. Of course. Like, what floor, please? Uh, when Bob Hoskins turns into a, like, a terrifying puddle, like a pizza puddle on the ground because the elevator's going so fast. It's a bit nightmarish. He's just, he just looks like a big goop monster for a moment. This movie's scary. Yeah, but that to me is like, oh, I forgot it when he turned. That he turned. Right. You know, there's certain the moments where you're like, sequence. everything with Judge Doom at the end, the dip is whatever. Yeah. The stuff that you remember that I'd forgotten that Bob Hoskins yeah, turned into a little shoe. pizza pile. Um, that poor little shoe. That poor little shoe. That shoe didn't do nothing. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, well, where's the other shoe? Like, you've just you might as well throw the other shoe in the dip too, Doom. Like. 
that other shoe's got nothing to do now. He's got well, no... he's got double the work oh, so now. Well, now he's got double the work. Once he apprehends Jessica, she reveals that Doom killed Acme and Maroon, and that Acme gave her his will for safekeeping. But she discovered that the will was blank. She and Eddie are then captured by Doom and the Weasels. At the Acme factory, Doom reveals his plot to. Dis- Wait, you left out the incredibly important plot point of. Mm. Oh man! Yes, I did skip. I forget her. I forget. She's like credited or like whatever her name is. It's like Lena Hyena, I think. Like something like oh, that. Well, because she's um, not Jessica Rabbit. She sure she's is. Lena she's Lena Hyena. Hyena. Yeah, he spots who she thinks is Jessica that turns out to be this like wonderful goblin of a woman. It's totally not important except for the fact that I definitely like oh, of course. I, I did a regional gig once where we for some reason. Oh, because it was like all a bunch of women living in one house and then like one of them had her boyfriend come and stay. And <laughs> so she was you like, all in unison. She was like, I hope that's OK. Like she just kind of made a big deal out of it in a yeah. way that we were all like pretty chill about. And then like <laughs> after she like went to bed, we we're like, what does she think? We're all going to be like, oh, oh man. <laughs> so the rest of the contract, uh, <laughs> just said it incessantly. I love it. Uh, Doom reveals his plot to destroy Toontown with a machine loaded with dip to build a freeway. The only way past Toontown since Cloverleaf, which Doom owns, has bought out LA's Pacific Electric Railway. All oh, this went over my head as a kid. I was like, oh, I don't yeah. understand this. You don't get that and be like, only a Doom could think of something so nutty as a freeway. And you're like, no. oh, America. Uh, I think that was, I forget if it was either like a book or if it was like an unused script, but it was what would have been. Because there's Chinatown and then the two Jakes, like the sequel. And right. then the, they were going to make a third one that was about this, about like the interstate wow. like, and the, the freeway yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. The expansion. Um, so it's kind of funny that then this wound up being like the third of the Chinatown trilogy, wow. uh, which I kind of love. So Roger unsuccessfully attempts to save Jessica and the couple is tied onto a hook in front of the machine's hose. Eddie performs a comedic vaudeville act, causing the weasels to die of laughter. Now this I did the, for the first time last night. I had questions about this. If the only way to kill a tune is dip. Well, maybe they just didn't know. They didn't know that the laughter could kill well, them. Well, because I guess they do die, but then they are still tune ghosts. They are still tune ghosts. So, so now, they're, like, like, so now they can, they're, they're hanging out with Casper and all of his disgusting uncles. There so you he's, go. he's a little cartoon. Maybe yeah, that, we were missing Casper. We should have had a little Casper as well to yeah. establish uh, well, that they, there so, they didn't have ghosts. any Hanna-Barbera. They, didn't have, they clearly oh, were only point. working with a couple of animation That's companies, yeah. studios. Yeah, you had all the Looney Tunes. It's and so expensive to like. So they mainly did like Looney Tunes and Disney. You know, That's true. Good point. Good Was point. that Warner Brothers? Uh, yes, I believe that's yeah, Warner Brothers. So. Yeah, the Looney, the Looney Tune Company. You got the Disney Looney Company Tune. and the Looney Tune Company. Hey. Hey. Oh. Uh, and this is the, maybe the best part of the film is Bob Hoskins just suddenly doing backflips. Clear, clearly it was him. No clearly. way that was a stunt double. Clearly, but Bob I will say they did backflips. they did a pretty good job of finding a double oh, yeah. who was the yeah. right height, and they padded them out or whatever to make make it look. Right, but right. that's so ba- funny. The idea, on that pogo stick. the idea. The <laughs> idea. That worldwide curmudgeonly treasure Bob Hoskins oh, is so good. Is doing some Yeah, I, yeah. It's not going full what they did. I'm which I'm glad they don't because I am now thinking of the end of Space Jam when they're just like, oh, it's a cartoon world, so you could do whatever. And Michael Jordan's like, oh, I can. So he's just just like stretching his arm. You're saying this like I've seen Space Jam oh, since never, the mid nineties. Oh, okay. I thought you're gonna say you've never seen Space Jam. No, but I've avoided it. Oh, sure, mo- for sure, the sure, most sure. part. Well, that's how he he starts turning tune ish. Doesn't go full tune, thankfully. But he's he, he, actually it'd be better if he just did just turn Michael Jordan into a yeah. tune. But I'm glad that Bob Hoskins didn't become like whatever Stretch Armstrong. Well, that um, would really also destroy the rules of the world. It's also it more sure like would. it lets us know also that he's having one of the things I really appreciated watching at this time was like he had to use 
like tune tools to defeat tunes. Like true. he had to use the tune hammer. He yeah. had to use like backflips and stuff that he yeah. had to use like comedy. He tried to use that tune sword. The, 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 Frank, Sinatra, the Frank Sinatra witchcraft tune sword. Oh, hilarious. Like he had to use tune methods. Yeah. To kill tune people. Oh, well, I guess that's yeah, because they they established that the dip is the only thing to kill them. But yeah. what a what would his cartoon gun have done? That didn't do very much, did it? Well, no, because they see established they were dum dum, so the yes. bullets go the wrong direction. But if the bullets had hit, because he thought, that's cause why that was, the... that was also Doom, who we thought was a person. Yeah, and now I got some questions. But Roger that's Rabbit. why the weasels carry real guns, I'll bet, because they actually yeah. do something. So then, but then, okay, so the real guns they carry, because that will do something to all the people, but the cartoon guns, you would think them would do something to the cartoons. Well, maybe it still slows them down. Maybe. Getting riddled with bullets, probably, you, you don't have quite as much pep in your step e. for a little while. Ah. Ooh. E. E. Oh, ah. e. what was that? Oh, that, that was the, the, the car. When the cab is, yeah, the cab skids over the dip at one point, and oh, Benny the cab, he is the, he's, he's like tiptoeing over it. He's just like, e. oh, ah. I could have listened. That could have gone on conservatively. You were so tickled. Thirty-eight more minutes of just him going like, ee, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I loved it. I loved it. I lo- Benny the Cab is great. Underrated character in this film. Da-da-da-da. The cab driving another car was oh, pretty man. great. That sure was. That cab move over. I'll drive another. You've done enough driving today, <laughs> rabbit. Something like that. We're great if that car as well was like, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. What is this? What is this? What is this? Get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, boy. Eddie performs his vaudeville act. The weasels die of laughter. And Eddie fights Doom, who's flattened by a steamroller, but survives, exposing him as the very tune who killed his brother, Teddy, and providing nightmare fuel for every child that for ever saw years. this film. Every moment. Him is like a little flattened man. Like, oh. like a stop motion. I don't know if that was stop motion, maybe. I know, but it is it looked ter- like stop it- Motion. And then, of course, just like how it like peels. Oh, up. oh yeah. And then those like hypno hypno eyes oh. that turn into knives as he the like. We're both backing up like, away uh, from uh, microphone. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, blowing out the mic. Uh, oh boy. And Eddie, as you said, uses a tune boxing glove mallet that causes the machine to empty its dip onto Doom, dissolving him. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, of course, has Doom. Uh, was great. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Uh, the empty machine crashes through the wall into Toontown, where it is just tr- um, instantly destroyed by a train, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toons run in to see Doom's remains, and Eddie reveals him to the arriving police officers as Acme's killer, thus clearing Roger's name. Then we have a very tender scene over the corpse of Judge Doom. <laughs> yeah, everyone is just like, I love it. I love it that we're all kind of like, oh yeah, this dead body over here. Well, I mean, Don't I guess it's him. technically just the clothes. It's yeah, very he's... Wicked Witch, like, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's still he, like... He gives a full, like, sure I'm melting, does. I'm melting. I'm melting, I'm melting. Yeah. Um, which is very was very much more topical then in uh nineteen uh when, when this nineteen forty seven was just very just like this film that came out you know last just nineteen thirty nine nineteen thirty nine so less than a decade ago that's true uh Judge Doom was just a fan Judge Doom was a real fan of that Wizard of Oz I'll <laughs> bet he was <laughs> if ever I get get dipped I'm totally gonna bust out my I'm Margaret totally, Hamilton I'm impression I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> Triple dubs. Wicked Witch of the West. Triple dubs. <laughs> WWW. Wicked Witch of the West. Dot <laughs> uh, discovers that Roger had inadvertently written a love letter for Jessica on Acme's will, which was written in disappearing and then reappearing ink, and the city is handed over to the Toons. Having regained his sense of humor, Eddie happily walks into Toontown with Dolores alongside Roger, Jessica, and the other Toons. <laughs> yeah. It might as well be just like, Yahoo, Forest, Yahoo, Forest. 
it was interesting sitting there going like okay who wrote this because it's clearly not like like it was meant to like evoke a particular style but it's so Mm. not it's just like not an Alan Menken tune kind of oh, feel, which yeah. is very like that era of Disney yeah, kind of yeah. thing. It's I just I don't know if it was if Alan uh, Silvestri who did he did the score. I don't know. He if did he the score. Did I don't know, but it's it's interesting because well. I was the feel of it. I was like, it's just a the the um the intervals are. I don't think this is necessarily intentional, but it's just <laughs> creepy enough that like. <laughs> like that it, it, it sounds a little, a little yeah. unsettling which feels yeah. perfect whether they mm. intended it to be like a clear distinct pastiche right. like we're trying to write something in that style or if it just was this and because of the sensibilities of the writer it was a little off but yeah. I, I like that it's a little off because it makes it feel like should I enjoy this <laughs> because Eddie has that feeling oh, of sure. like this is this used to be pleasant for me and now it is like uh, you know like a creepy like a, a, you know, like a, what's that? Like a little music box w- in, oh, in a sure. horror film, oh, like yeah. that kind of feel. Definitely, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That that one song was written by uh, uh, Danny Elfman. He was just like getting gearing up <laughs> for a Nightmare Before Christmas, and he's like, "This is coming down the pipeline a few years, but for now, I'm gonna write this B side, B side, B side for, for uh, Nightmare." Uh, the casting directors of Who Framed Roger Rabbit were Ruben Cannon and Priscilla John. Canon and an Emmy nominee for his work on the miniseries The Women of Brewster Place has also cast such projects as Moonlighting, What's Love Got to Do With It, and Fly Away Home. John, an Emmy nominee for her work on the miniseries The Company, has also cast A Fish Called Wanda, same year, 88, Ever After, Amistad, and the uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. Wow, that's some, some range. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the first Captain America movie, but there is technically a Captain America movie from the early 90s that was like... Made in Italy for about eighty dollars. He's um, a captain of America. <laughs> he's a captain Italy. Uh, so let's move on to some of the actors who were <laughs> almost cast. And now some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective, uh, especially for this one because there were I, I was there's so many people that were I found online, mm. and some that I'm like, is this completely reputable? Uh, so I've I've kind of just vetted of like the ones that I could find on t- on two different sources at least and that still leaves us with a lot of people to get through uh and as always i have looked up all the actors in advance and amy joe is hearing it along with you listener for the very first time i don't know anything <laughs> i'm a little baby <laughs> Where? i'm a little baby i'm a little baby i don't know anything my stogie, <laughs> my stogie. Ah! <laughs> uh, so let's kick it off with eddie valiant amy joe your thoughts on bob hoskins and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else Bob Hoskins, I loved in my youth between this movie and Hook. Oh, like, me. What Classic. a good morning, Neverland. <laughs> like, also the fact that he has one of the broadest Cockney accents oh, yeah. in real life. Yeah. Like, a true East End. It's like him and Michael Caine, you mm. know, like, have just this, like, that he does such a good, like, oldie timey New York accent. There's one moment, I don't remember where it was, I didn't write it down, but there was one moment where it was like, right. ah, he's trying a little too hard. Yeah. Like, I, to- no, you know what it was? It was he put an R in harder than he needed it to be for that, like mm. for a Brooklyn accent. Right. But it was also like he was trying to be emphatic and a Brit go- trying to add an R in, but like less R. That- it's hard to do. Sure. And I was like, ooh. But the fact that I could flag one, I was like, that's kind of incredible. Yeah, and it wasn't until you said that that I was like, oh, yeah, he's British. Because to me, it's like such so a good accent. It's like British. so. And, and I, because I know him. No, the from accent's incredible. This so much, even more than Hook. I've definitely seen this more 
more times than Hook. And I've seen him in other things. I've seen him in stuff like, you know, Mrs. Henderson Presents mm-hmm. and well, Unleashed. Well, now, now as an adult, I've seen him in many other things. But like, oh, no, I, but I mean, just for me, but I still forget. It still feels like, oh, he's just as a great British accent in the other things because it feels so lived in and it feels like yeah. it, it is him in this. Like, there's nothing at all to me about, like, this person is playing at something. It doesn't he's feel just put so, on at all. Yeah, it's so, so good. So yeah. good. And it's funny you mentioned Michael Caine because that's what he, that's uh was cast largely in this movie due to his performance in the movie Mona Lisa, which got wow. him his one Oscar nomination. I haven't uh, seen it in years, but it's so uh, good. I've never seen it. I, 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 re- I would love to. Apparently it's on HBO Max, but it's <gasps> not enough to get me to get your HBO Max. Nice try. Um, but if someone wants to give us a password, you can find us <laughs> at, at almoststarring at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> so we can watch Mona Lisa, please, and thank you. Uh, but it's him and Michael Caine. So you got like the two broadest oh, coffee yeah. accents ever put on it's film. It's great. It's great. <laughs> well, just authentically, authentically so, too. So. You know? Authentically so. Um, yeah, I think he's perfect. Like so he's good. so good. He hits the he hits the style so well without once winking at it. Yeah. He's so in a noir film, but also in a noir film. That has cartoons now. I, it's just like, it's a marvelous feat. It's like a perfect straight man performance. Yes, but it also is having to take into account so many things. Forget the special effects stuff. Like, yeah. just even like, we were talking about this last night when, when we were watching it, that like, you, and, and you hinted that there might be some comedians who were up for this. Mm. And it's like, well, yeah, but then it does shift the tone of the movie, which is fine. But then you have something like Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which is True. very fun. Yeah. Um, But that's Steve Martin is in that. You have someone who yeah. is like and that, leaning that's into the comedy. Almost the antithesis of this film. It's almost the opposite, where everything else around your central performer is... Is literally the literally, movie. Literally, yeah. yeah. If you've not seen Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, it's very fun. But it's just editing all these old clips of Humphrey Bogart and all these like old stars... Yeah. As if Steve Martin is having conversations with there's, them. There's a great, like, he's he's in the movie Notorious, where, like, if you've seen Notorious, like, Cary Grant's entrance is the back of his head sitting on a couch <laughs> with, Ingmar, uh, with Ingrid Bergman talking to <laughs> Ingmar Bergman. Wow, I did it. With Ingrid Bergman talking to him, and, like, that becomes uh, Steve Martin. But anyway, I think he he's just so, like, invested in the reality and yet plays at a pitch where he feels like it's not like these people are in different movies. He's like so in this movie. Yeah, it's it's such a gr- it is that like gruff detective film art, but it has it's never it's still in this film. Yeah. It's still just fully committed to this idea of these cartoons. I remember reading something this is years ago now. It must have been like an anniversary for this film or something where they were talking about like the way that the special effects were at the time. You know, you you didn't have the stuff today where it's like, here's a golf ball that we will just CGI out so that you'll have not just an eye line, but like an, a depth mm. for your eye line will yeah. be appropriate. And they were saying what he was able to do was like focus his eyes in a particular point. It's very difficult, apparently, if you're like looking into nothing, your eyes going to focus on something. You want to go towards, the, yeah, you're going to go past the point exactly. to the horizon. So it's like, oh, wow, you, that is to be wild. able to focus as though like he's he's got his hand yeah. gripped as though it's around the rabbit's neck, but there's nothing there. But he's still able, he was still able to focus his eyes and like imagine the rabbit there. So, I don't know. Yeah. It was it was pretty impressive. And like I watched watching it last night, I was like, there's a couple places where it's like. I see that someone's eyeline is slightly off because obviously they animated the thing in afterwards. But like, right. unless you're really looking for that, you don't notice it, and that's incredible. incredible. There are uh, to that to that end uh, to get the feel of acting with cartoon characters. Bob Hoskins studied his three year old daughter playing with her imaginary friends, oh. but then 
as he said it, he, he had to do a lot of acting opposite nothing. And he said this about the filming process. I had to learn to hallucinate to do it. After doing it for six months, for 16 hours a day, I lost control of it and sort of had weasels and rabbits popping out of the wall at me. Oh my so gosh. he went slightly crazy making this film. You kind of have to. And then to. he did make another film for a year. He like took, he did, which I get. Like yeah. this is, this seems like such a hard filming experience. And thankfully it was for a great film. Yes. Um, and for a good reason. Because there's another film that came out a few years after this called Cool World, which is Brad oh. Pitt and Gabriel Byrne and I didn't see it, but I Kim remember Basinger it existing. as your kind of like, as Hollywood, as like your Jessica Rabbitish Shannon. Which is supposed to be, I've only seen bits and pieces on TV as a younger kid. And I was just like, well, this is stupid. Turning it off. Um, but to like spend that this much time and effort on something this special effects heavy to do this. And then for it to be like, you just made a cool world. You spent all that time doing yeah. nonsense. I, I feel it's like Ian McKellen when he was just like during doing The Hobbit, when he was just, you know, during Lord of the Rings, they had so much practical sets. And then during The Hobbit, he was just, it's just all green screen. And he just like wept. He was just like, this is not what I became an actor to do. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's just done so, 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 so well here. Uh, yeah. So uh, thoughts on if you had to cast someone I, else? I don't have a lot, honestly. Sure. I sure, think sure. he's so good and it's so, I'm, I, not hard to imagine someone else doing something like this. It's, yeah. ju it's just so indelible. Yeah. That, like, I have like, there were a couple moments where I was like, oh, this is like Joe Pesci on a, on a nice day. Oh, sure. You yeah. know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, like yeah. just a less angry and more like drunken brooding Joe yeah, Pesci. If, you, if it's possible to dial Joe Pesci into a little more. Yes. Also someone who'd be a great baby Herman. Well, I mean, just really pop him in a pop him in a bonnet, and call it a day. Um, and then this is a little, I no, I, I I'm I'm not going to qualify it. Ian McShane is, yes, I think a, a, a pretty oh, good that. choice, and absolutely. he's I think the, around the same age. Um, I had more no, trouble coming sense. up with yeah. contemporary. people. Well, there's like because uh, I think like doing it today, it'd be an incredibly different film. Um, That's true. Uh, just between special effects and also just like the way that kids movies are like this right. is a kids movie that also it, it's like an adult movie that is geared toward kids because there's cartoons in it but it like i don't know i don't know how you do something like this today you know and have it be good yeah it, it's it's difficult i i don't know i do not know uh if i were to have cast someone else at the time the other person that i was like i would i think lovably grouchy was is like a, a benchmark for me in terms of this role um, that would also be able to commit to this, Mandy Patinkin. Because I think this is the same year as Princess Bride. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that aged Mandy Patinkin. For sure. As this like alcohol, like I, you fully buy the monologue about him like losing his, about his brother. And then also him just in like grumpily interacting with totally. all these cartoons. Yeah, that was the thing. I was like, I need a really fine actor. You right. Know? Right. Today I was, what came, who came to mind is uh, this actor, Wendell Pierce, who a lot of people will know probably best as Bunk from The Wire, also has just that like, just slightly lovably grumpy mm -hmm. quality to him. He's about he's apparently about to play BB King in a biopic, which oh. I'm very intrigued by. Um and today, which he also did a slight variation on this in the show Happy, Chris Maloney. I think to me is like this made today is like, yeah, that is someone who will treat this with utter seriousness. Yes, the utter seriousness sure. of SVU, but can do well we saw what i mean summer. we've all seen what american summer but in happy it's like him and then is like i think it's like a little girl's imaginary friend unicorn voiced by Patton oswald so he's just but he's in that he's also like a drunk like drug addicted like mm -hmm. bananas like nightmare cop opposed to just being like 
a rumple detective type, but it's Chris Maloney. Of course he could do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, one more thing that I loved before we'll get into the other actors up for it. Bob Hoskins said that for two weeks after seeing the movie, his young son would not talk to him. And when finally asked why, his son said he could not believe his father would work with cartoon characters such as Bugs Bunny and not let him meet them. <laughs> oh my goodness! How dare you not tell me you were oh, working how do you with explain Bugs Bunny? That? I know. Oh man! Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. I mean, it's not Santa Claus. I feel like you could be like, okay, you know, Bugs isn't real. I know, like, but it's hard. Like, oh, you course, know. of course. Yeah, they didn't say how old the son That's was. That's like, but... I think about when when we went with uh, our niece and nephews when they were four and a half to Disney, mm. and like there was a there was a bell at like the castle experience, oh, uh-huh. and then we went and saw the stage version, yeah, mini, the l- 30 little yeah thirty minute show, and of, my friend yeah. Logan Benedict, shout out, was playing Gaston, <laughs> and so he like got us back to like do a meet and greet with Gaston mm-hmm. and Prince Adam and Belle. And our our niece Alexa was like, you know, you know, meeting all of them and and my, my friend Logan like messaged me like, by the way, uh I'm only allowed to say my name is Gaston. So right, I was right, like, right. this is my fiance Jeff. And he's like, Gaston. <laughs> nice to meet you. Gaston. Great. But Alexa, our little niece, four and a half at the time, was looking very suspiciously at oh, the yeah. spell because it was the same she was wearing the same gold gown. It was it was the Tales Oldest Time gown, mm-hmm. but it was a different version of it like be, because right. one has a much nicer than one than the other i can't remember which one was like more detailed but she was just like looking at her suspiciously like wait a minute like putting together like yeah. you're not real like that it, it and the way that the, all the like cast members in disney try to like continue that suspension of disbelief yeah. they she's like oh you probably saw me in my vest dress and Alexa's like you know, so I think that there's just like it's harder at that age oh, to sure. parse out reality yeah. from what they see on, you know. Yeah, but that's very well, that's true. Sweet. But you, you met Mickey. How come I can't meet Mickey? Why can't Dumble fly over outside my window? Come on, Dad. I've got peanuts. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's get into it. So, uh, right off the bat, because Spiel, Spielberg helped, I think, helped produce this, uh-huh. of course. So Spielberg's first choice, Harrison Ford. Yeah, sure. I Which can I, see it. Yeah, I, mean, I totally I get, get it. The gruffness, but to me, it's like that's the difference of there's still a lightness. I don't. I can't see. I mean, I just can't see it. I get why you would want it, and I mean, you know, Harrison Ford can is lending complete commitment and gravitas when he's acting opposite a Wookiee. You know, he's acting Absolutely. opposite a bunch of gleep glops. But and, it's different and an when alien you're... bar. <laughs> yes, gleep glops and an alien bar. The Harrison Ford story, but like it's different when you have someone who is like I do gritty british crime dramas versus like i'm a cocky space guy you know yeah which obviously i'm an actor i know actors can do more than one thing but like if you think about like what does one person get for free you know what what like what as an actor do you walk in the room with just naturally and inherently (laughs) and also like what is your body of work what has that trained you to do Bob Hoskins is much more like, well, yeah, I'm going to bring the gravitas of, you know, Britain's crime world to this, you know, as opposed to like, I'm used to tossing off one liners in a particular way, which is another skill that I don't, I think it just would have like flopped the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the the tone and the weight of the film. I think it would have been a little lighter. Totally. I feel like it's also, you know, like Star Wars was like his real breakout 
movie. Mm-hmm. And by the time, by, by Return of the Jedi, Harrison, you, Harrison Ford was like, I'm done acting opposite these oh, little sure. guys in suits, these little Ewoks. He's and... not doing a dang cartoon. So by 1988, it, it feels like he's just like, ah, the, the, which was the same year as previous episode, Working Girl, which is what Harrison Ford was doing instead. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that feels about the like, yeah, I'll do a little lighter comedy, but I'll still be wearing a suit and acting opposite people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not acting opposite no a rabbit. No special effects. <laughs> The only special effect is Joan Cusack's hairspray. Ooh, it sure is. What's keeping that hair up, Joan? How much of the budget went to keep it up that hair? Uh, second choice was Chevy Chase, but he was not interested mm-hmm. and instead did Caddyshack 2. Well, you know, Chevy Chase can go do whatever sequels he, he wants, and he did and he sure will, can. you know? Yes, 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 yes. Not much I anymore. say good riddance. Good riddance, good riddance. Agreed. I would doubt this... I would have as much love for this film if it was starring nope. Chevy Chase. Correct. Um, but I, which I get. I get because it's also then you're getting like like the gruff comedians. Yeah, straight I, man I comedians. get the choice. Um, I don't love it, but I get it. No. Same with this next one. Dustin Hoffman turned it down. That at least makes more sense to me because you have a prestige actor who is not known for like yeah chuckles and yuckles the chuckles and yuckles yes uh, well he had just come off that hilarious uh musical comedy ishtar the year prior the infamous flop with him and uh ooh, who was it in with him maybe warren Brady. i don't know i've never seen ishtar but it's like Me infamously either. one of the worst films of all time but instead in 88 dustin hoffman was doing rain man and winning that second oscar yeah, so um, yeah, I, I can see it. I, uh, I can see it, but I don't need, yeah, it. Don't need I it. I don't need it. I need it. And then here you've got, of course, Robin Williams was considered. Yes, that makes sense. Almost, I was thinking of him as a voice actor for, for Roger. For Roger. Yeah. But I don't even know if, I mean, Robin Williams was one of our finest creative you know absolutely people um but part of me wonders like how do you rein him in enough to have one consistent voice as roger roger becomes something very oh, different well, yes. you know yes 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 as we saw with the genie well and, that's and even the like, beauty of something even like Batty that in uh fern gully is still still just like mm-hmm. he needs to be which it would be closer to that it's just someone that's just like so wild and energized yeah. and wackadoo that your eddie valiant is trying to like rein in um and as for this it's like because Robin Williams gave some beautiful, beautiful, straight, mm-hmm. dramatic performances and stuff. You know, uh, Dead Poets Society and Goodwill Hunting and Awakenings. Like, wonderful drama performances. But when it's the straight man role in a comedy, that's when I'm, I'm curious like, about that. That's yeah. when you're getting your hooks and your Jumanjis. And that's never the Robin Williams I was crazy about. Grumpy Robin Williams, I, I never was a fan of. Which that's what those two films are. So yeah. I'm either grumpy dad that until I become like, oh yeah, I'm Peter Pan, or I'm just like grump- I'm grumpy dad until I become Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> or I'm grumpy dad. Well, that's its own thing. Yeah. Um, that's a nightmare. That's a that that's a that's a horror film that disguised that movie is ter- <laughs> ter- 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 terrifying. Uh, but, for, for but, Sally Field, that's the ho- biggest horror film of oh, all time. For sure. Uh, but one thing that, that why that movie I think was so successful is because it enabled Robin Williams to do what he does so well, which is like not rein himself in like he and and the movie starts with him doing voiceover so we already know he's someone who does voices he gets you know so he gets to like put that in yeah yeah yeah, he gets to put some of that in as opposed to this where it's like why would this detective do a lot of 
crazy voices. Again, not that Robin Williams can't well, he, well, he rein it he in. He wouldn't be doing the crazy voices. But it but is it that kind be, of like, yeah. it's like, I, I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna liken myself to Robin Williams because that makes sense. Sure. Um, but like when I am in a show with music or like a musical, but I'm not singing, that feels like weird to me mm, as opposed to like if I'm in a play and no one's singing or if it's like, oh, it's a play. It's often exactly. in Shakespeare. Yeah. I'll be yep. asked like, oh, could you sing this? Because they know I can. But like being in a being in a musical and having like no acting to do, I feel weird. Like it was just come in and sing this song. But particularly like when I've done a show and it's like everyone in the show is singing except Sad. you. It's like yeah. it feel, it makes me more inclined to want to show off in a way that is not appropriate. <laughs> um, but it's like that kind of like, but I want to play. And I wonder right, sure. if in a movie literally about cartoons, yeah. how how Robin Williams yeah. would yeah. do, you know? It's hard. It's hard. And here, here's, I like this option because this really waffles back and forth between people. People like Rob Williams, like comedians, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. You're doing a comedy. but And then more of like, no, these are more serious actors that can still commit enough that it's funny. That that's also that's why it's funny because they are just playing right. it so straight. So straight, yeah. You know, Bob Hoskins is not winking when the, you know he's ordering a drink from the penguin. It's like whatever. He's like whatever. I'm on the rocks, and he's like, and I mean, I mean ice. ice. Uh, <laughs> and it's so much funnier because he's just playing it straight. Uh, Ed Harris was considered. Oh wow! And that I think is a lot more similar. I like to that the Bob a lot. Hoskins performance. I think is a lot. Yeah, that like rumpled det- like dr- alcoholic detective. Uh, I really, really like. I can totally see it. For yeah. some reason, that also makes me think of like a William H Macy situation, you know? Oh, sure. Which feels like that'd be someone who could who could pull this off. Sure. I like Ed Harris better, but I, I think I, that that would work. I did almost consider it was like made today. I was like, imagine if made today it was Paul Giamatti as Eddie Valiant. <gasps> okay, okay. <laughs> which I kind of it's great. Love. Um, this I actually really dig. Charles Grodin oh. uh, was considered because he's also someone that's like, I mean, a brilliant comedian. Uh, but he just has he has the look as well. He kind totally. of just feels like nicer Chevy Chase to me, Charles he Grodin. Absolutely, uh, I feel like he looks a little like him. But he's someone that I'm like, oh, if I saw Charles Grodin, I might say just like say hello, big fan. If I saw yes. Chevy Chase, I would run the other way. Yes, <laughs> couldn't agree more. Um, and instead, he was doing uh, Midnight Run with Robert De Niro, which I don't think he got a Golden Globe nomination for, but was like a pretty but big this comedy is pre Beethoven. Pre Beethoven, mm-hmm. yes, which is of course where I, where most of us of a certain us, generation, yeah, 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 you know, we're like the dad, the dad, the dad of Beethoven. Now, Eddie Murphy turned it down as he just did not get the premise mm. as they were explaining to him, and it's one of the top roles he regrets not doing for sure. Yeah, like he said, like once he saw it, he was like, he'll, he I, said in interviews yeah. like a few years ago that is like that's the one that I most regret turning down because he just couldn't see it. He just didn't. Well, yeah. See how you're gonna do it, which I, yeah, it's that's hard. I'm like, especially if you're like, I'm gonna have to put in so much work. Yeah, and it's not worth it to me when I can go. You know, how long did they say they shot for? Well, yeah, Bob Hoskins said six months. I I wonder if that like if that was the full extent of filming, or if that included like maybe reshoots as well. Like once they're I don't know. I mean, it's to got to be super yeah. complicated because oh, you're totally, you're not totally. just like oh we got it. It's like you have to know exactly where the light is. Yeah, it you has have to, to be, be doing. Exactly. You're you thinking about stuff. The animators, yeah. there had to be some animators on set trying to like watch how are we oh, going sure. to make this, you know. I'm sure. So I'm sure that that prolonged stuff as well, yeah. you know. Yeah. Instead, he did Coming to America, which is oh, which is like one of his great. biggest, yes. biggest hits, um, which I think that sequel is coming next year, Ooh. supposed to, which I'm very intrigued by. Now, going back into the prestige, we've got Jack Nicholson 
was considered, which that, that I makes think a lot of sense. actually would be great because he's still also someone that can do comedy. For sure. And it's just imagining, what's his face? Jake uh, Get- Gettys? What is his name in Gettys? Gettys? Oh, Gettys. I don't know. Jake. And Gettys. Um, and Gettys. To be honest, Jake I don't... Green Gables. It's been um, a long time no. since I've sat down and Jake watched... from Chinatown. Either, yeah. regardless, imagining his performance in Chinatown, it placed amongst all these cartoons is... And then Faye Dunaway as Dolores. Faye Dunaway as Dolores. Well, Faye Dunaway as Jessica Rabbit, probably, at that oh, point. Oh, that works, too. Um, if she... <laughs> Get it, in. Get it together. Aye, aye, aye. Jessica, dearest. Rabbit, dearest. <laughs> Bunny, dearest. Uh, Bunny, dearest. Thank you. There it is. You're there welcome. it is. Um, Robert Redford was considered, which I think Sure. Is... I mean, he's a little... He's uh, he's just so, like, yeah. golden boy all-American. Yeah. But there's, there is something interesting about a golden boy fallen from grace because of the death of his brother and, this like, all of that. I, um, I'm sure they existed because I haven't seen a ton of Robert Redford performances. I've seen, like, the big ones, like The Sting and Butch Cassidy yeah. and of that, of the, you know, of the, the like, the younger, yeah, you know, yeah. the and way some, we were. And some yeah. more, more recent of uh, whatever. Um, Captain America, Winter Soldier, of course. He's fantastic. Uh, but it's I've never seen him be like this. Like, Jack Nicholson, I so see, is just, like, slugging yeah. from his whiskey in the movie theater. You know, Robert Redford, it doesn't live on him. Which could be fun. Sometimes that's a great release for an actor. That's true. You know, but, uh, that's but true. You're not ready. Okay. Wallace Shawn. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks like Stubby K. Like they look too similar. Stubby Stubby K is uh, Marvin Acme, of course, an uh, old nicely nicely from oh. the Guys and Dolls movies. Man, I feel like a lot of us man, know oh man. from. Uh, yeah, Wallace Shawn, which I mean is um, that's hilarious to think about. But, but again, we is... get that's giving us more of a like. Now we're leaning into the fact that we are doing a comedy weird movie. You know what I mean? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think this was, and I think this was '88. This was uh, Princess Bride, so he was busy being Vizini. And I think he was busy the world not getting into a land war great. in Asia. Yeah. yeah. Um. This also, I get it. I get it. Danny DeVito for sure. And that is like, yep, it's very similar in I terms also of like thought look of da- and yeah, height exactly. of Bob Hoskins. You know, they've got the same outline. Uh, I love how much taller Dolores is. Oh, it's great. Then, then. Bob Hoskins. It's delightful. I love all, all those pictures of him, of their like trip to uh, wherever. Catalina. Catalina are so funny to me. Bob Hoskins looking through these photos at happier times and he's just got like the sunscreen on the nose and like this big straw hat as they're just as they're just ukulele like, that looked like that was like the most fun uh, oh yeah set, like day to shoot we're just gonna go to malibu one day oh, yeah. get you in some get, striped onesies get you, oh and this <laughs> delightful striped onesie bathing suit on bob hoskins as just like playing a ukulele and pretending and he's like going shh at the camera as he's like i'm gonna pour some my, my drink on dolores or yuck, uh, yuck, yuck. so 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 silly uh and danny devito yeah i think danny devito would have been great I can absolutely, totally. absolutely see that. He was busy doing Twins in uh, 1988, which I think is great. I Twins wouldn't is, know. Oh, Twins, very, it's super charming. I mean, him. It's, it's him and Schwarzenegger as I, Twins. I understand That's that. The I've joke. seen the That's poster. the movie. It's not, yeah, it's not like a, a life-changing film, I'll put it that way. Okay. But it w- certainly made a lot of money and did well for him. So in terms of like, he wasn't busy doing like a huge flop. He was doing another yeah. hit comedy this year. Uh I like this option. Tom Hanks. Oh, sure. This, yes. This was, I like that a lot. This was the year of big, which I think better move because that got better, him his first Oscar nomination sure. and kind of helped, even though it's a comedy, Iconique. still helped kind of get him to be like, oh, we can take well, this it, guy a little more seriously. It wasn't sketch, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. But I 
I mean, I, Tom Hanks is great. He's yeah. wonderful. But I, I love it. I feel like it'd be very Woody in Toy Story of just someone who's like, he's the straight man who's just constantly frustrated by everything sure. around him. For sure. Um, well, we just rewatched Catch Me If You Can. And like oh, that way I, that he's also, just very you're like, right. you're so right. I'm angry about everything. Oh, him is, you know? yeah, him How, is I'm Carl so irritated. and Ratty. Yeah, frumpled. This frump, they sent me these guys. The, yeah, just <laughs> that great Chicago accent in that film. No, he's from oh, it's not Chicago? Boston, I thought. Oh, it's Boston. Oh, maybe. Oh. Oh, maybe I thought it was Chicago. No, you're, the, oh, Boston. the daughter you're so moves right. oh, to you're Chicago. So right. You're so right. You're so right. It's a, it's a Boston accent. Uh, and you would know as the dialect coach. Hey, don't quote me on that, baby. <laughs> don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that, Amy Jo Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> that should be every podcaster's motto. <laughs> Giant caveat. Don't quote us on any of this. Uh, John Travolta was considered no, what thanks. you get, but I don't I get it. I don't need it. it. I don't need no, it. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, get this, don't want this either. Dan Aykroyd was considered also doing Caddyshack 2 in 1988. I get it more than Travolta. Oh, yeah. Well, sure, you know? sure. But he's like, I just think of, I mean, he's he's had so many marvelous roles, but I think of him in like Sergeant Bilko where he's just playing like an idiot, like a buffoon, yeah. like a, what do you think? That sort of thing, you know? Right. And it's like, you know, not that he can't do the other thing, but it's just like that kind of wisecracking, uh, too much cocaine energy was like, <laughs> you know, 10, 10, 15 years before this movie. So it's like, mm. I, I feel like he's starting to age into, as he got into the 90s, this more kind of like, well, now I'm a little, I'm a little more buffoonish. And I just, this guy's not a buffoon, you know? It's, this is very true. This is very true. Yeah. I feel like if like the one, the cop, was a bigger character yes. in the film. Great That's choice. Like, for... I thought would be in the movie more because we we're like, who is this actor? And we looked him up, and it was like he's mainly known for this and being the guy that gets force choked by Darth Vader. There's in Star like Wars, one I other think. thing that he's he's played a lot of small, a few small iconic roles. Right. We we're like, oh yeah, that guy. There's but one other one. He's only in like three scenes or maybe even two, just like the very beginning and yeah. the very end to come in and being like, huh? So Doom was a tune, eh? All right, bye bye movie. Oh, got it. <laughs> we got. I'm going back to the station. Going back to the station. Uh, and. Dan Aykroyd's Ghostbusters co-star Bill Murray was considered. That makes more sense to me. That is that laconic. Yes. Like in term, I love Bob Hoskins because he's so angry in this film. Yeah, he's so intense. And Bill Murray doesn't have that. Bill Murray would just be the like so like annoyed. Yeah. But not the like that real just like I'm going to throttle this you rabbit. Get with Bob Hoskins that what's driving everything is grief mm, and rage yeah. at not. Be, not knowing where to put that grief totally. and not being able to deal with it and so using alcohol to compensate like that it's just like so clear and not overplayed and the rage makes it like the the grief being turned into rage because he doesn't have anything to do with it um or refuses to you know find a way to process it you know yeah. like that's something that like I just don't see Bill Murray really do that often. Like, rage is not a note no, I think of. No, 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 I mean, that's like the so, he's like one of the most laid back comedic exactly. performers of all time. Yeah. Um, which is where he lives, you know. Uh, but he said on the special edition DVD, Robert Zemeckis recounted that he had stated in a newspaper interview that Bill Murray was his and executive producer Steven Spielberg's original choice for the role of Eddie Valiant. So Spielberg said Harrison Ford, Robert Zemeckis is saying Bill Murray was his first choice anyway. Mm -hmm. But neither could get in contact with him in time because he famously is like, you have to like just leave a message on a voicemail because he's just like, I doesn't want to deal with it. He's just like, oh, I'll, I'll listen to these voicemails when I get a chance. I'll listen to like my Isn't this someone service. with enough money to hire a secretary? 
Yes, but and by I, secretary I mean assistant. He doesn't, want, about he the doesn't late want assistants or secretaries bothering him as well. So it's just he's it's always a gamble trying to get Bill Murray in your film. But, oh, Bill Murray! I thought you were talking about Robert Zemeckis. I was like, that seems like a really no, 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 no. crazy could, way to do could business. Not get in touch with Bill Murray. That's right. Okay, that makes more right, sense. Right, 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 right. So he had Bill Murray stated that when he he re- he found out about this because he read this interview with Zemeckis, <gasps> and he was in a public place, but still screamed his lungs out because he would have. Absolutely accepted the role. But he's just like, I didn't You're know. all about bad way to do business, uh, buddy. I know. And I'm like, is that why he did Space Jam? Because he was like, okay, next time getting to be a live action character amongst a bunch of cartoons comes along. I, he, he, I was like, I just wanted to act along Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig. Well, it's also like you see that movie and it's like, oh, this is amazing. And now that we've seen it done, we know anybody could do it. Anybody can do it. Anybody. Michael Jordan can do it. Oy. Whoever directed Space Jam can do it. I don't know who directed Space Jam. No, well, I'm not Google. Why are you looking at me like I'll know? Not even Bing. <laughs> Bing. Bing. I'm Jeeves. Are you Jeeves? Ask, ask Amy Joe. Yes, Mr. Um, exactly, exactly. And instead, in '88, he was doing Scrooged and She's his cameo in She's Having a Baby. Oh my gosh! Um, which some people love that Scrooge. Some people I've love never it. Been a fan. I've seen never it one time, uh, probably like ten years ago, and I was like, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, and fi- oh, that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guys. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Eddie and one was not. Amy Jo is to guess which is which. Your options are Sylvester Stallone, Burt Reynolds, and Joe Pesci. My eyes are as big as saucers. <laughs> wow, if if it turns out Joe Pesci is some guy when I picked him my own dang self. Wow. I'm gonna think. Th- I'm gonna think things. Um, who was the second one? Sylvester Stallone, That's Burt, Reynolds, Burt Reynolds, and Joe Pesci. Oh man! All right, I'm sure I'm wrong, but I'm gonna go just because it's so stupid. No, you don't pick them that way, do you? You pick things to trick me. You pick it to trick it. I'm gonna say Joe Pesci is some guy. It. That's incorrect. Oh, good. Well, that makes more sense. I actually have more you were respect. So right. Of course, Joe Pesci was up for it. As was Danny DeVito and Bob Hoskins yeah. and Wal Shawn. They were like, okay, any actor that's five foot, we're Let's gonna consider him. for Eddie Valiant. Okay, great. All right, I feel a little bit better at that. All right, Sly or Burt? I mean, it, they should never cast Sylvester Stallone in this, which makes me think he was up for it. But I'm gonna go Sylvester Stallone. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Yeah. As far as I could tell, Burt Reynolds was not considered for Eddie Valiant, but somehow Sylvester Stallone and Joe Pesci were. Oh. Uh, Stallone was busy doing Rambo 3 in 88 instead, which, thank goodness, get him out of here. I don't Terrible. need him in Terrible my movie. choice, no. And Joe Pesci, I could see, but to me, Danny DeVito is more like, if you're not getting Bob Hoskins, but want a similar-ish energy, energy yeah. Danny DeVito is the one that can give you cantankerous and grumpy and rumpled and rumpled whereas Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci is, is, is all rage terif- <laughs> too terrifying to me a little too scary like for so me. much rage that it's like hmm yeah hmm. Uh, yeah yeah uh yeah in 1988 instead Joe Pesci was playing Mr. Big in Moonwalker which which I'd forgotten was a thing that existed it was this anthology film like passion project that Michael Jackson made that was mainly oh. just like all music videos and then a loose plot of evil Joe Pesci 
trying to, I don't know, rule the world. We've all got our niche. Kill some kids or something. I don't know. Uh, but he was doing that instead. So maybe not held as in a high regard as Who Framed no, Roger Rabbit. But didn't he, when did he do Goodfellas? I think it was 1990. So and then he, again, was, he got an Oscar for that. Oh, he's he fine. He was about to have he's a big upswing. And then, of course, oh, Home Alone. The classic. Okay, the only one that matters. The only one that matters. Uh, you mean of the Home Alones or of all the movies Joe Pesci's ever made? All the movies Joe Pesci's <laughs> ever made. And I liked Goodfellas, take but... That, take that Raging Bull. Take Raging that Goodfellas. Bull was good, but I only saw it once. Irish I only Man. saw Goodfellas two times. Go away. Irishman, I've never seen it. Never, you never, and you never will. I no. Why should I? <laughs> why? But you know what you? I am going to do is rewatch Home Alone oh, conservatively oh, oh, three times. But this... what about... My cousin Vinny. Oh, wait. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> There's he has two, two movies that matter. <laughs> My cousin Vinny and Home Alone. Damn, I'm glad we got that cleared up. As am I. Thank you for reminding me. That would have been tragic. So let's move on to Roger Rabbit. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Charles Fleischer? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? It's a perfect I mean, performance. It's iconic. I don't know. I mean, I know there are other incredible voiceover actors so and many of whom i don't who do a lot of cartoons that i don't necessarily know sure their of names. course it's always yeah you're you know maurice sure. lamarche yes i mean he's incredible you know but like this is such you a good had, performance you, had, you know mel mel blank uh-huh uh do doing bugs bunny and like i forget like seven or eight other voices sure. you could have ha- easily had someone like that doing absolutely xyz but uh it's yeah, so it's good so good it's such a distinct i mean that please Eddie. Uh, I mean, we say that around the house all the time. All the time. Um, and that like opening cartoon when he's like, because it opens on him like as if like a, on a film set, like they're doing this cartoon short of him in that oven getting jettisoned out with the best like. As he's making the like laps with so, the steam. Such an amazing vocal performance. It's so good. It's so full throttle. Yeah. But it's so nuanced. Yes. And so. Funny. So funny and also so full of heart you know yeah, yeah. it's really beautifully it's just done. a genuine like character so someone that was yes. not you know also like that i know that that goes hand in hand with the animators as well mm, like I, I know the animators true. are also like doing doing yeah. part of the acting but like the vocal performance if you even if there was no animation to it and you're just listening to it in podcast form say <laughs> it's brilliant so Definitely. i don't have anybody i don't know yeah. it's great yeah and i'll say this he also that wasn't the only voice that he was doing in this of film. Of course not. He was also voicing two of the weasels, uh, Greasy and Psycho. Amazing. Uh, Psycho is the one in the straight jacket. Oh, yes, I got uh, that. And he's the voice of Benny the Cab. <gasps> he's doing scene E. Oh, ah. <laughs> Your favorite part. <laughs> I just want a spinoff of Benny the Cab just going E. Ooh, ah, for like conservatively. Listener, hours. when that part happened, <laughs> Jeff giggled I re- I so had to, I had to hard. And rewatch it. It was so good. It was so good. Um, I mean, yeah, this, this it's a perfect performance. Like, what, what are you, what are you gonna say? Other just being like, oh no, you know, it should be uh, whatever. Get, get me, get me, Ian McKellen. <laughs> I mean, there are boring vocal performances yeah. in many, even high profile cartoons where it's like That's we could have done better. Yeah. This is so good. So good. Um, so what I loved is to help uh benefit. Bob Hoskins' performance during filming, Charles Fleischer would deliver all of Roger Rabbit's lines off camera in full Roger costume. Oh, I he forgot would, about it yeah. being in costume. Rabbit That's ears, yellow gloves, and orange coveralls. So during breaks, when he was in costume, other staff at the studios would see him walking by, and they'd make comments about the poor caliber of the <gasps> effects in that rabbit movie. <laughs> 
That's amazing. Oh my god. Can you believe Spielberg's got his name attached to that? This guy just this walking by like with crap. rabbit ears. Ay, ay, ay. Oh man. Oh, he's done in this town. That's the Mecca's. He's get him out of here. <laughs> and it's just as like a let me help out my co-star. Yeah, which is like, so sweet. But it... I'm sure it also made the movie a lot better. I, I bet. You know what you're acting opposite. Absolutely. Like, it's already, it's like, thank goodness you have him there to deliver the lines off camera. Like, in that iconic voice. Could you imagine? That would really be like, that would drive me insane as an actor if I just was alone. And they're like, okay, so you're going to pause. And or then if we're going to fill like, in the lines later. You have a once PA we hire the Roger Rabbit. reading it. like Exa- Oh, exactly. Ugh. You just have like some so guy. So you're having to completely you got drum some, it up. Right. You got some, you got some, like some guy, some grip, like munching on a hoagie, just being like, oh yeah, um, please, Eddie. Nom, 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 nom. Oi. Wow, no, uh, no wonder you hate me. A tune killed your brother. Well, <laughs> it probably also saved them an awful lot of time in post then because like he's already like developed this performance like he can i mean obviously you know there's the famous story about morgan freeman going in and laying down all the narration to shawshank at some like cheap little studio locally where they were filming and then like they had to go back because it it wasn't good quality and so they weren't it was just supposed to be like a dummy track right right. but it was so good and they couldn't read it took them forever to recapture it (laughs) so like there might be some of that but it's also like you know about how long that's going to take so you can stay on hoskins you don't have to keep cutting you know you can actually have a scene of some length because you know how long the actors a proc's going to take to say that line because they're there yeah yeah uh so we had two people that were considered. Yes. Um, originally, Robert Zemeckis wanted Eddie Deason, who he had worked with on, I think his first film, 1978's I Want to Hold Your Hand. And you know Eddie Deason. He's appeared on this show before as Eugene in Greece. I knew, I knew <laughs> that name. Yeah, he's like apparently like a big time voice actor. Wow, um, and so good in, for him. I know. In 1988, instead, he was doing Critters 2 and... <laughs> Assault of the Killer Bimbos. Uh, so, not movies not held in as high regard as Hooper and Roger Rabbit. Well, at, well, maybe in your heart, Amy. But, well, uh, I've seen them both many times. I was wondering oh, why we owned that VHS, like old VHS of Assault of the Killer Bimbos. We legit do have VHSs in this closet. They're up there. Oh. They're ones I like couldn't bear to get rid of. Um, Despite the fact that we do not have a VHS player. No, we do not. But like my my copy of Annie that sure. my aforementioned aunt like wrote her yeah. name all over because she tried to... <laughs> Trying to take it home with her, and I was like, "This is my movie, Mary." <laughs> I mean, but we kept it because it's so a, funny. Such a power move to just write your name on someone else's it's property mine. and being like, "See, my name is on it." It's, that is a hundred percent what she tried to do. My mom was like, "Mary, that's it. We can get you your own copy of Annie if you want one so much." <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, oh. And Paul Rubens. Oh, okay. Yes, that I can. I can see I that mean, being, that's the definitely. right literal pitch, yeah. you know? Apparently in 1984, Rubens was initially cast as the voice of Roger, but his conflicts with the production of the Pee-wee's Playhouse pilot caused him to drop out. And that went well for him. It sure did. So, that became a defining... Uh, another defining feature of, uh, or, yeah, all my, all of, of my generation. Same, <laughs> same, same, same. All right, let's keep it going. All right, we finally, we've got Judge Doom. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Christopher Lloyd and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? He's so excellent. He's so creepy. It's just like, he just, ha- he manages to be this like, it's the way they've costumed him, but also just like the way he carries himself where- He, he does not blink in well, the film. He's also wearing Holtzman glasses he, most, is, of the, most of the, I was like, oh, well, he stole those from Kate <laughs> McKinnon 30 years <laughs> later. Um it's so 
like bird-like, like vulture-like. Mm. Like he's dressed kind of like a vulture, but also kind of like a cadaver. I don't know. He just like oh, he yeah. doesn't. He doesn't. He looks like move. a reanimated corpse. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. he like moves his whole body at once. There's not like a lot of twisting. Yeah. He's not really. He's using like every. It's and once you know who he is and you go back and watch it it's like someone who's like yeah he's not completely comfortable in this body because it's not actually his body right and he's also trying to like rein in the like zaniness of the tune like how he could move you know what i mean which is sure. why it feels like it's very like an action figure almost like he yeah, doesn't really yeah, yeah, yeah. move he doesn't have a live physical life and which we've seen him in many other things it's not like that's a christopher lloyd thing you know right well um, yeah i mean so delightful that this being like after Doc Brown is other big yeah. film with Robert Zemeckis, the Back to the Future films, just like so wildly different, so delightful to be like, oh, this is so unlike Doc Brown and was such an unlikable, terrifying character, mm-hmm. but like you could also crush this. And it's funny you mentioned a vulture because apparently he was supposed to have a large animated vulture that would be on his shoulder for most of the film, but they cut it because of how much of a burden that would be from a special effects standpoint yeah. um, to be then every single shot. You don't to, like, need on, it. Like, clutched on him. Exactly. You he's don't need creepy it. He's enough. already a little vulture man. He's so, I think it's so good. He's so creepy. It's really a, a beautiful performance. Like, and just like the one, it's like one relentless low note that he plays the whole yeah. time until it becomes until, yeah. a terrifying night out, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Other thoughts. I didn't have a lot. I get there's a ton of people who I think could execute this yeah. fine, but it's <laughs> he's so good. I was like, mm, this feels like in 1988 we still possibly could get a Christopher Walken like yeah. creepy performance that oh, would sure. not be like, what am I looking at? You know yeah, what I mean? No. And I then I also had the thought because he's about the same age, Malcolm McDowell, which is so oh, funny you mentioned yeah. Clockwork Orange, but he's someone who's yeah. just like so creepy, and also because adults would bring with them the knowledge of like oh my gosh yeah sure this man gave me nightmares yeah if you're getting someone that's too you lance henriksen like someone who's like so terrifying it's it's sometimes sometimes might even be considered worse to get someone like remember he was doc brown in the movie all the whole family like let's go to the movies mother and then it's like oh no doc brown how why have you forsaken us (laughs) uh i was like i could see like like a kevin klein like someone you know yeah yeah they can also do like that heightened for sure. Uh, pitch of this and still, but still reads as, I mean, a, really a foot planted in the human world and the tune world. That is, how is he plays that, performance. that is exactly yeah. what Kevin Klein has made his whole career based off. Pretty of, much, you know? pretty much. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. So here are some of the actors. Uh, once again, Robin Williams was also up for Doom. Also makes sense. It does. I don't know. I think I'm, try- I'm trying to picture it. I'm trying to picture like the villains that he's played because he played a few like dark characters. What was but the one with again, the, the fo- one hour photo? One hour photo in insomnia but like once again they're not like the the closest is death to smoochie thinking of him playing like a villain in a comedy it's also a terrible terrible film that death to smoochie I've, um, I've not seen it i believe it's also directed by danny devito but it's uh him is like a disgraced child star right like rainbow something right, right, and right. then edward norton is like a yokel that comes in it's like well i just got this barney type character smoochie this purple rhino and it's rob williams trying to murder him that's the film. Uh, not good. and Not good. But yeah, yeah, Rob, it's just not a great I love great Robin thing. Williams. He's so great but in so many things. I think it's there are just yeah. certain types of roles where you're going to get the music that he plays more fully and in a more satisfying way. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like even him in like the birdcage, just he's not even playing the clown character. Yeah. But it gives him enough room Ooh, to Nathan play. Lane as Judge Doom. I mean, that's a very different. I mean, actually, can we get a dual role of Nathan Lane playing Eddie and Judge Doom? Because I feel oh. like he actually, I could see him actually, doing yeah, Na- Nathan Lane. Kind of Nathan thing. Lane is Eddie. I would and then love... Raul Julia as Judge Doom. Oh, perfect! Oh my gosh, perfect. we've done it. We've cracked the code. Perfect. We cracked the code. Uh, yeah, I, I would really dig that. Um, Roddy McDowell was considered. Oh, interesting. Mm, who I'm not as familiar with. I had just started watching Fright Night. For the, I'd never seen it before. Uh, I've not seen it. And uh, I turned it off because I was like, ah, this is fine. Um, oh, but also his uh, Fright Night co-star, Chris Sarandon, I could also see and as And Chris a Sarandon good, is like the same age as, as both of these guys. Because yeah, it's yeah. the same, also the same year as Princess Bride, him as Humperdinck, just mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd be, he would be great. Yeah. It's just you want someone who is like not afraid to like lean into playing sinister yeah. Like th- that's that's a thing where like you have the Eddie character who needs to be so rooted in a particular reality and so does the villain. But this is someone who, because he's also a cartoon, knows he's a villain. Mm. We know he's a villain. from the- he-, he comes in dressed all in black and his name is Judge his Doom. His name is Judge Doom. Even if we don't think he's the one who's committed this murder, we do think, Judge I'm murder. not supposed to like that guy. One of the first uh, things we no. see him do is kill a shoe, you know? <laughs> not the shoe. Not the sweet, 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 sweet little shoe. Yeah, I know. But yeah, so I think we can get someone like Chris Sarandon who's like, yeah, I will. I'll go head first into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Sting was considered. <laughs> That's not a name. He's already I he's already got that bleached blonde hair. He's ready to go. He's ready to go. Wow, wow. I, I don't have yeah. any opinion on his acting you because don't. I did not see him in the last ship. Yeah. Um, well, I, did he act in the last ship? He. W- there came a point where they were Broadway just trying. The last ship. They were desperately trying to get audience oh. members in. So there was a guy that is like, there was a role. That the guy who played it, I think, is one of maybe not one of the bandmates, but it's like a famous uh, musician oh, from that area. So then it was like, okay, we're gonna have Sting come in and, yeah. and play this part for a while. That's like when they had a uh, what's his name, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day, exactly. come in to play Jimmy St. Jimmy in, in uh, American Idiot. Yes, exactly. I, I think all f- there should be a rule in Broadway musicals that not not in the original cast, but as soon as you have to replace actors. You're when you've gotten like specifically like a musician, yeah, to do your score, they should have to legally have to guest star. You, should, you have to shoehorn them into a role. Bono as the Green Goblin in Spider Man Turn Up the Dark. I mean, we had a missed opportunity not having Cindy, you know, <gasps> oh. come in and replace Anna Lee. Oh my god, that <laughs> would be amazing. <laughs> that would be great. I'd love it. I'd love it. I, I think that should be a rule going forward is that you got to put them in somewhere. So so for this Working Girl musical that Sydney's working on, she's got she's got to play the Joan role. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, if you're trying to... she She's definitely like now of a certain age, um, but she'd be hilarious. <laughs> That's very much like how yeah. she presents in real uh, life. Uh, yeah. Also considered for Judge Doom, Eddie Deason as well. Because the is just like, I just want to work with my friend again. I want to work with him again. Which, I mean, I really only know him as, you know, Eugene Eugene, in Greece. he was like a wee baby. A wee little baby. Well, I mean, whatever that was. Like 12 years before this, so... 78? Wasn't it 78? Or 78. So 10 yeah. years. 10 years, only, yeah. So one decade before He was a big so. strong man big strong by then. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure. Strapping... Right. Although, yeah, you got John Travolta as Eddie and you've got uh, Eugene as Judge Doom. Or or we just reunite or different different Cuckoo's cast members, you know. Oh, you've got sure. Christopher Lloyd and Jack Nicholson or you got Danny DeVito, Ford. you know. Or Danny DeVito and Christopher Lloyd, yeah. Yeah. I buy it. I buy it. Louise <laughs> Fletcher as uh, Dolores. Hey, she'd be great. Or or as the voice of Jessica Rabbit. There you go. Why? 
not why not uh i like this option a whole lot if you if you could not get christopher lloyd john lithgow oh i mean yes yeah there was some moment in the movie where he like did some like whoa kind of thing that was so third rock from the sun was it when he was slipping on the, yeah, the little thick it was, eyeballs no it was something he, where he was shot laughing? he was shot from the front he, he oh, was okay. being shot from the front not yeah li- i should clarify it, it wasn't the western bullets going like no. which way, which did, it way go? did it go they were like it was something where it was some i don't know but there was some moment where i was like that was a rather john lithgow type <laughs> of type of of thing i but mean yeah. talk about a guy that can work with large s that's uh-huh. yeah. yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean I'm trying to think if I could see him reined in as an Eddie. John Lithgow as Eddie Valiant. It'd be actually very fun if he were a little less, yeah, cartoonish. Yeah, it would. Yeah, that's the one thing. And I have not seen early Lithgow do that. I will say, I think he's one of our very fine actors. Yeah. But I would say on stage, he tends to be more reined in. I mean, or or rather, I think being on stage affords his largesse a place where it can just be sure, rather sure, than sure. having to like turn anything down but but they're definitely there like the ter- terms of endearment and like oh, his, yeah, er- yeah, his yeah, earlier yeah, right, right. his earlier i think he's and... he's tremendous but there's definitely like he yeah, loves yeah. to like oh, play yeah you know? which is why i think he'd be a real good judge doom yeah. uh ding 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 for amy joke christopher walken was considered yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. uh john cleese expressed interest oh, for in sure. playing judge doom yeah. spielberg and zemeckis refused thinking nobody would take a former member of monty python seriously as a sadistic villain but they were very cruel in many sketches well, this is true, but it might just be like the. It was so indelible. His specifically that he was so nasty lip. in Faulty Towers, though. I suppose, but that's still a different kind. I mean, he was. Do- this was '88, so he was doing a fish called Wanda yeah. this year instead, which yeah. is which is magnificent. A much better use of his yeah. skills. Uh, F. Murray Abraham oh, was considered. I am into this, <laughs> especially since film audiences primarily knew him then and still from Amadeus. Amadeus. Yeah, he's not. Uh, he's not someone with what you would say, uh, what you call a sense of humor. Mm, yeah, or or yeah, a I, lot I, of really... pliability. Right. No, I I can totally see that. I mean, you could have had his Amadeus co-star Tom Hulse as the voice of Roger Rabbit with that oh, same ridiculous yes. like squawking laugh. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, John Pertwee of Doctor Who fame uh, who? was considered, but. <laughs> In 1988, he was in the middle of his of 22 episodes of classic British show I, Wurzel oh my Gummidge Down Under. Not even the original Wurzel Gummidge, Wurzel Gummidge Down Under. Oh my gosh. Okay, so- listeners. <laughs> so one of my dearest friends, Hannah Croft of the comedy duo Croft and Pierce, they're hilarious. Look them up. Um, they they would come over and do sketch their sketch show sometimes at at the Magnet or the Pit. Um, every now and again they're, here in New York, they, they, they would come to New York. They would stay with us. And they they were both maybe like London based. We're, we're gonna do like a few comedy shows while we're here in New York. But they have a lot of stuff where they were like, I'm not sure if this is too specific a reference that it's only right. Brits are gonna get it. So there's things that we're like, oh no, we're totally we totally understand that we get that or that's a reference we if would it's understand. Like a clothing store. Yeah, there was a point where they're like whatever the the this section of Marks and Spencer is blah, 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 blah. and we're like you need Chico's just say Chico's you're describing Chico's They're like okay fine and then I got like a big laugh that night but um they were 
and they were asking, Hannah was asking us about some, we were sitting, we were sitting at the bar at the Beast, UCB East. We're like at their little like high tops, like chilling, I think after a show that Aaron had. And she's like talking about some TV show. She's like, oh, do you have Wurzel Gummidge here? And we're like, what are the words you've just said? She's like, you don't have Wurzel Gummidge. Because it really, now I know like, oh, this is a very familiar thing whatever I, I i don't know if it's the same equivalent of being like well you've got barney the dinosaur you know barney right yeah. it, but it feels like that ilk of like yes. yeah it's this classic children's show everyone knows barney it's from like everyone the 80s knows yeah wurzel gummidge okay so we had like looked up a couple pictures but hadn't really done much on it and then like a couple years ago i was dialect coaching something that i needed some uh, particular regional accents and i was looking up different people who had this accent <laughs> and this actor <laughs> Uh, John John Pertry. I don't know. Anyway, he is from this region. And I was like texting with Hannah like, oh, my gosh, I need help. Help me find people. She's like, oh, well, so-and-so and so-and-so. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, now's my time to shine. And I watched some Wurzel Gummidge and it is the most terrifying. I can't. He's a scarecrow, but it is late 80s television style effects. I encourage you, the, go to YouTube. Uh, very little budget used for the makeup of the oh scarecrow man. There's apparently like, they, because it's a, like a, whatever, a standby of British television. So they did like another version of him for like a few episodes recently with Mackenzie Crook. Whoa. Yeah. Well, if anyone's going to play a scarecrow in this day and age, I think I mean Mackenzie he already Crook, looks like a scarecrow. That's what I'm saying. Gareth from the the British Office. If if you don't, if you're not familiar. With I him. think a lot of people watch those pirate movies. Yeah, he's also in those pirate those Pirates of the Caribbean Pirates movies. The those Caribbean, first ones. He's the one. Uh, I think he's the one with like one glass eye. It's Mackenzie he's Crook. He's been on Broadway. Out. Look him up. He has. Gosh, okay. everyone who okay. knows us <laughs> knows Mackenzie Crook. I, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned him earlier. But uh, <laughs> regardless, uh, in case you're like, what is this Wurzel Gummidge? It's just the, the Adventures of a Scarecrow. Here, here are some of these episode titles oh my gosh. of Wurzel Gummidge. I'm so ready. <laughs> of Wur- specifically Wurzel Gummidge Down Under. Down Under. Bulbous Cauliflower. Like bulbous? B-A-L-L? B-A-L-B-O-U-S. Wow. It's like bulbous, but not. Bulbous cauliflower. Weevily Swede. Elementary, my dear warty. Wattle Hearthbrush. Why would they put so many consonants into one title? And Wattle Hearthbrush. The bestest scarecrow. <laughs> That's the first thing that sounds like a title, and it's so stupid. Oh, man. Yeah, just like... Wattle oh, Hearthbrush. Oh, well, you've got Wurzel Gummidge, right? I mean, classic episode, Wattle Hearthbrush. It's like, this is too many syllables and vowels. and No, it's too many consonants, too many consonants not enough vowels. None of these things make sense to me. Oh, Very, my gosh. It confuses me greatly. I'm sure this makes sense. Any of our listeners from the UK that are like, oh, of course we know Wurzel Gummidge. Man, they don't know Wurzel oh, Gummidge. God. We were Ugh. howling. I can't communicate. We're like, Wurzel Gummidge? What are you doing? I mean, it got to the point of just going through with with uh, with hand and feet to be like, okay, well, do you have this? It was like, no, 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 we don't. I like, I really thought that they were gonna be like, oh, all right, well, do you have like chairs? Do no, you know, I do think you know she said that at one point. Is? She was just like, <laughs> Hannah was like, now we're just second guessing everything. Like chairs? Do you know what a chair is? Do you have a chair? They have tables. They have tables in America. Um, oh, so good, so good. Uh, uh, Peter O'Toole was considered oh, for Judge Doom. Okay, see that yeah. I can do. Yeah, this is like in the eighties around like that. uh what's it, my favorite year of his like playing like a grandiose mm. drunken well, actor. He's always so, grandiose. It's Peter O'Toole. This is true, but in terms of like really I'm trying to think of when else he like really let his hair down to do like something like this outside of whatever ratatouille i mean it's actually not too dissimilar from his performance no, totally. in ratatouille i'm thinking of well let his hair down is something i feel like peter o'toole did 
almost all the time. Like Kevin Klein, I feel like okay. Peter O'Toole is someone who is not afraid of largesse. Fair enough. It's just funneled very particularly given the role. True. That's true. Uh, talk about people that you you know what you're getting. Christopher Lee. Yes. Yes. I see it. I love it. Terrifying. It's Terrifying. great. It works. Yeah. Uh, he was busy making so many films. Because, I mean, that man, oh, yeah. the output that he had. But 1988, these are the na- I mean, what great names. Mask of Murder, Dark Mission, Evil Flowers, and Olympus Force, colon, The Key. Which, that last one, here's the plot synopsis. Olympian gods watch the Earth and resolve to fight a group of terrorists who stole a diskette containing a secret that can destroy the world. And the tagline was, they'll be immortal again if they can just stay alive. I mean, I hate to admit, it's a good tagline. It's not a bad tagline. Um, No, that's great. That's that's like, I think if you're going to go with like a horror staple, it's better than Vincent Price, who has famously played a cartoon. You know, he was oh, the sure. he's, Oh, actually, yes, Radigan. I'm also thinking, thinking of like, I'm conflating, um, because he also yes, he is Radigan, which he, it's a brilliant vocal performance. But he also is in fairy tale theater. It's oh. not a cartoon. <laughs> I was thinking it was a cartoon. He is the magic mirror, but it's uh, actually his face painted. Mm, you know, mm, but mm. yes, yeah, sure. But I mean, Christopher Lee would be great. You great. could you could have also done um his like Hammer Horror co star, I believe, Franklin Franklin Jella. Franklin Jella, always a great say, choice. Also say is Franklin Jella and F. Murray Abraham to me, they're in no way interchangeable, but they I think they live in a But there's still so many roles that I could see. Either, either of them doing. being like, I'll take this right. one F. Totally, totally. Uh and finally, Tim Curry auditioned for the role, but Robert Semeckis, Steven Spielberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and Michael Eisner found his performance too terrifying. <laughs> they were sc- he left the audition room and they were all just like in agreement, like this is too scary to put into a children's film. You're too good, Tim. Why did he Tim, come to the audition in good. the full legend devil makeup? Why did he come dressed as the clown from It? He's, oh my gosh. Uh, That's beautiful. I mean, Tim Curry, some incredible, indelible villain performances yeah. over the years. But I mean, he'd have been great, but yeah, I just also, love the idea of like, I, well, I wish I, I want to see it. I want to see a, the screen test. Totally. Well, the thing terrifying. is, it's like, you know that he can calibrate it differently. You have oh, like course. Clue and you have Muppet Treasure Island. Granted, both of those are lighter as yeah. in terms of what the actor is being ex- asked to do mm. but still yeah. but that's that's amazing <laughs> oh you know hit it hard curry it, he's, he hit it a little too hard out of the park <laughs> uh so those are all the characters that i found other casting options for so before we move on we're going to do a quick segment of passing chemistry so if bob hoskins we won't do roger rabbit but if bob hoskins and christopher lloyd hadn't been available for the film who of the actors considered for eddie and judge doom do you think would have had the best on-screen chemistry Clearly, it should have been as Eddie Valiant, Robin Williams, and as Judge Doom, Robin Williams, in a dual performance. Uh, Just let him run completely wild. No, uh, I was really struggling between either Jack Nicholson or Tom Hanks as as Eddie. I really, really like both. I would do John Lithgow as Doom, so I think against John Lithgow's Doom, I would do Jack Nicholson's... Jack Nicholson as Eddie Valiant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But that's just me. That's just me. Okay. I'm going to go uh, Ed Harris as mm, Eddie. Love it. And I'm going fully going Tim Curry. Like, oh, why yeah. why yeah. mess around? Oh, yeah, Ed Harris and Tim Curry. That's a match I never would have expected to have seen in the film. But, but like, it would work so well in this. They're both excellent. Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do it. Let's 
do it, folks. Now, uh, there are a few characters we didn't mention, so I just want to briefly touch on them. Of the our main-ish characters is, of course, we've got Joanna Cassidy as Dolores, who I know best from this and Blade Runner. And she's apparently also in a lot of Six Feet Under. She was in like 20, oh. 20 something episodes. Um, I think won an Emmy or nominated for an Emmy good for guest for star. Good for her. Good for Joanna Cassidy, um, who I think is so good in this. Such a, I mean, such a, so well done. Plays into that trope so well of the, like the long suffering like mall of the but detective. I already got me a I good got me. man, right. Eddie. Exactly. I just, like Del- Dolores, you, go, you should go find yourself One a day good you man. You should find yourself. A... But I'm Eddie, I've already got myself a good man. It's uh, so good. I got yeah. teary. I was like, yeah. oh. they're so. I mean, they play it so, so real it really feels like it was plucked if, if this had been dead men don't reply and they just plucked a legit totally performance like humphrey bogart and whoever in, in, ingrid bergman or you know Ingmar, lauren, in, bacall. lauren bacall or whomever um and just animated characters around them and turn it into a comedy it might look a little something like this because they are so invested in the stakes it's just so well constructed yeah. as having you know you have your femme fatale and then yeah, oh, yeah. you have the like She's still gorgeous, but she's not like, yeah. hmm, she could kill not me. Not an impossible, impossibly animated Jessica well, Rabbit. Well, even like, um, to me, Jessica Rabbit feels like a combination of Lana Turner and Rita Hayworth. Like, mm, yeah. at least the way they have her introduced in this film, she's coming on stage. It's like straight out of Gilda, you know? Yeah. Uh, only... <laughs> Just more everything, you know, but um, but yeah, that kind of and Veronica Lake, obviously, with the hair over one eye kind of thing. Like mm, it's it's a real yeah. combination of all these femme fatale bombshells of a particular era, you know, and then you have the still like absolutely stunning, uh, well put together, like based in reality kind of right, like, well, right. I'm your your girl Friday, if you will, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think she does a great job. I think she's, I think wonderful. she's so good. And, and she's styled so impeccably. Oh, like, yeah. I, you would not know this was a film made in the 80s, by the way, that like they really costumed yeah, it well. Yeah, so yeah. often a film like this, you're still going to be like, well, this was made in the 60s. Not because of the effects, but because of the costumes. Mm. Whereas this, it's like the hair is right, the silhouettes. They might have like a bit of a shoulder pad going on, but overall it like feels right. like very of the period, which is is great. And especially because everything else is not cartoony. Yes. It still it feels like yes, this is out it's of vibrant, the late but 40s. it's not. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But it's not cartoony, which is why it's like it also is like wow, they don't whatever. It's just, I feel like a movie like this doesn't get made, or it gets made in a different way, where it's like God, this is not appropriate for a child to watch because totally. of the swearing and there's the all these men drinking, drinking, so much drinking. There is so much drinking in this movie. It's yeah. kind of bananas, and yeah, and of course Jessica Rabbit. Uh, voiced by Kathleen Turner and sung by Amy Irving of Carrie oh. and Yentl fame. Amazing. Well, yes, I know her mainly from Yentl because yeah. that's a movie I watched yeah. so much yeah. in my adolescence. Um, One day we will do Yentl can you, on this can podcast. Can you imagine? Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I- iconic. I mean, that voice, that Kathleen Turner, like, husky voice just is just perfect. Incredible. Well, and also then playing on, like, the femme fatales that Kathleen Absolutely. Turner had played by this point, you yeah, know? Like, that's true. I mean, yeah, that Body Heat was, like, that first, yeah. her first, like, big film. Maybe her, maybe even her first film? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not Google. <laughs> I'm just Jeeves. I could see both of the other actors that I know from Body Heat as Eddie's, William Hurt or Mickey Rourke. I mean, Mickey mm. Rourke is like, I don't know if he's like, I'm not, you got to pay me a lot more if you want me to act an opposite of cartoon guy. Hey, Zemeckis, yeah. Zemeckis, you want me to act an opposite of rabbit? 
from add what, a zero to that check. From what I know about Mil- Mickey Rourke, uh, he he is what you might call more of a loose cannon. And do you want that on set when you're having to film a cartoon? Probably not. I feel like that's when Spielberg is just pop- coming around the set, and it's Mickey Rourke. I feel like at '88, Mickey Rourke is still like, oh, okay, Spielberg is is the director, is I'll like try. not the director, but is like the guy that's on set all the time. Yeah. I'll uh, keep I'll it. Try. Th- oh yeah, but that's the thing when you get Bob Hoskins, um, you yeah. get the professionalism. You get the professionalism, and you get that talent, uh, and you get that <laughs> that bare bare chested. Uh, oh my gosh! Scene where he comes in as a full blown Hobbit, just full blown little adorable hairy Hobbit. Uh, <laughs> Hey. Which I, as a kid, I never understood because he has, he still has his tie on. But then I was like, oh, it's I get like was it just so he could go to the bathroom? I, I don't know. In terms of his like, he's it got his like shirt off, had... but his tie on. No, he's and got suspenders. his his pants on. His pants and on. Suspenders. So he probably had just like taken a shower, puts his pants on, and like starts doing the t- the tie you know. first. I don't, I don't know. know. It, yeah, um, but I always as a kid was like, oh. This is a very hairy gentleman, uh, which you don't really see very often uh, in general in movies of men this hairy, but uh, especially in a children's film. Yeah, uh, which where is they're like, let's get that shirt right. off. Let's get. We know what the guys have just grabbed it, and the ladies are gonna want to see. But that there are Hoskins. people who love a burly, hairy situation. Absolutely, you know, and it's Absolutely. like I think he looks quite charming. But it is give me that like, smee. <laughs> give me that. Slice smee. me off some smee. <laughs> Uh, so final thoughts on who framed Roger Rabbit, Amy Jo? It's so excellent. Like, I always loved this movie, movie, but I will say watching it for this, like Mm -hmm. specifically like thinking about, well, and also just like, I haven't watched it in a number of years. So watching it with more of like a professional eye, it's incredibly well constructed. Then the way that, what were you, talk about what you were telling me last night about the, um, bump the lamp type thing. Oh, that this was, uh, yes, when Eddie and Roger Rabbit are still handcuffed together and they go into like the secret speakeasy back room of, uh, of Dolores' bar. The bar. Doors, yeah, to, to hide out. And they like, they whack the lamp on the, the like way. swinging lamp. Yeah, the swinging lamp. So because the lamp is swinging, that changes like all the shadows on Roger Rabbit. So all these animators would have to like painstakingly do like the shadows to match because the light source is moving, is moving around. Uh, and that apparently became like a phrase bump the lamp for. That like pretty much just means like putting in that extra effort into a film that most audience members will never notice, no matter how many times they watch the film. Uh, but you do that because it's like it's that extra little something. It's well, that you, extra little judge. You think about like Gene Kelly tap dancing with that mouse, yeah. you know, which is like delightful. And at the time was like, whoa. Yeah. But like. How flat and how, you know, it's clearly like they've animated like it's just. A that, mouse. That this dr- is in uh, Anchors Away, um, which is a delightful. If you just look up, it's it's pretty much Jerry. It's literally Jerry yeah. from Tom and Jerry. And but if you so look it up charming. on YouTube, it's such a good dance. It's so fun. But this poor, they finished it, and then someone pointed out, they're like, "Hey, you can see Gene Kelly's reflection in the ground." And all the animators were like, "We gotta go back and animate this ding dang mouse's, mouse's reflection, reflection on the ground because Gene Kelly wanted a shiny floor." <laughs> you know, but like. You look at the attention to detail on this, and that's that's the kind of thing yeah. like I talk about with, like with certain acting or dialect clients of like different things you can do to texturize your performance that the audience should not pick up on, yeah. but that they will perceive without realizing it. That will like just add another layer to their yeah. feeling of being immersed in this world. If they do clock it, you're probably doing it to 
overtly. Yeah, but that's like, such a great point. You want everything to blend a in grounding. seamlessly. Yeah. You want these things. You don't want people to notice them. You want it to feel like, you know, you want a, the kid to be like, Dad, why didn't you introduce me to Bugs yes. Bunny and Mickey Mouse? Clearly you filmed with them. You were in the you're, same You're room. shaking hands. You're getting smooched on the cheek by Roger. It's like you are interacting these are your friends all the time why are you hiding your friends from me dad um so funny to me yeah. Uh, i yeah totally absolutely absolutely i had one other thing i just wanted to share with the listeners we you know started the movie and and there's that great uh vocal performance by the 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 mother in the like movie thing oh, where yeah. she's just like you're going to hang out with your cousin roger you know and uh, otherwise we're gonna send him back to you know like back to the just, science lab yeah exactly and so then you start asking like why why like you start talking about muppet babies and you're like it's just like nanny and it muppet like, babies yeah, it like nanny and yeah and then you just start riffing on nanny you're like why can't we see her face she was up to something well why can't we that's what i want to know we never see her face they are hiding something from us and i did love because i never noticed this before that once they like cut in this opening in this cartoon sequence, and you yeah, see not in a, muppet babies and you <laughs> see it's a film set that you actually see those legs in the background and like the dress drops and you see it's just like guy on stilts which i loved i love that you actually had it's that so as funny because a... obviously it's animated but it's meant to seem like it's a real film set so right. like it's it's so good i mean the alternate is that they would have had it you would have seen in the background this giant cartoon woman yeah. towering over everyone or a terrifying cartoon half woman which is why you can't show the top half because mm-hmm. she ends at the waist yeah it's so it's that kind of thing where you're like that is not a thing i'm even necessarily meant to because it's not like right. following the thrust of the main action, but it's there for you to watch and be like, wait, like we rewound it to oh, watch it again. I was so like, what? So well done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm going to end on this. We've talked about this little shoe a bit <gasps> through the film. We're going to talk about the shoe? Yeah, just, just very quickly. Just very quickly. Because that wasn't just any old cartoon shoe. Though the character never speaks, it squeaks and it whimpers. And those cries were the work of a relatively unknown voice actor who would rise to prominence one year later when she would voice Bart Simpson, Nancy Cartwright. Wow. Yep. Baby Nancy Cartwright is the famous shoe, the unsung hero of Who Framed Michael Rabbit. That shoe that gets the dip. (laughs) That shoe that gets that dip, that dipped shoe. She's the dipped shoe. Wow, that's quite a fun fact. Yeah, one year later, going from shoe to Bart Simpson. Well, thanks. Thanks. Little squeaky shoe. Squeaky shoe, you will always live in our hearts. You'll be in my heart. You know? You know what? We know. Amy Jo. Yes, Jeff. What are you recommending this week? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, I am recommending Lizzo's interview with David Letterman on his Netflix show, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. Uh, Each episode is a different interview with a different person, but they're at Lizzo's house She's so charming. She's so funny. It's so inspiring. It's just like balm for the soul in these hard times. And they're hilarious together. Like she has him playing her flutes at one point. Like it's it's just marvelous. And it made me feel a little better about life. So I recommend that for everyone. Love it. Jeff. Amy Joe. Oh. What are you recommending this week? Uh, I'm, we just watched this wonderful Robert Zemeckis uh, comedy with some amazing special the special effects driven comedy. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to recommend another Robert Zemeckis directed special effects driven comedy, 1992's Death Becomes Her. We're like just out of 
October, but if you're still like, oh, I kind of wanted another, not really a spooky movie, but still like there's like a certain I want some spooky camp. Element, some spooky camp. Just Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn just trying to <laughs> working to try to find immortality. Uh and just some amazing special effects. And, and Bruce Willis is there. Well, yeah, I'm trying to pretend he's not. So, but focused on Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. I, I know a lot of people, this is not like an obscure, obscure film, but I'd only seen it for the first time a few years ago because it just wasn't on my radar growing up. Whereas uh, for a lot of people like me, well, sure, this is sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. required viewing. Right. But if you haven't and you're like, oh, I love Roger Rabbit, I feel like this is the next step. Like, as you're going from, like, a child loving Roger Rabbit to, like, a teenager, young adult watching Death Becomes Her uh, is another just comedy fantasy from Robert Zemeckis. It's it's a whole lot of fun. Very campy. Very silly. Uh, So if you need just, like, some some light chuckles and yuckles in these (laughs) dark times. (laughs) And that's what we're recommending this week. Da-da-da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Gee, Jeff, <laughs> I'm a wondering what what movie we're doing next week on the pod. Well, boy, do I have good news for you. Oh, tell me. And for the listener at home, you could just go to follow us at Facebook at and almost starring or on Instagram at and almost starring where every Saturday we reveal what film we'll be doing next week. So if you want to be one of the cool kids, come check us out on the gram or the Facebook and uh yeah, and, and every Friday we do a fun little Instagram game that you run where you can guess. We'll give you some clues and you can see if you can figure out or you see if you can stump us or if we stump you. Wow. Wow, indeed. Until next time. Oh, and if you feel so inclined, swing by iTunes or wherever you rate uh, and review podcasts and uh, maybe give us, drop us a little rating and review. Maybe. And let that rating be five stars, please. Yeah. Uh, what, what, do you, what do we want them to say? If you're going to give us five stars based on this episode... Um, pew, 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 bullseye. <laughs> pew, 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 bullseye. Five stars. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jill Jackson. Thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.